Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey there, ghosties. In this episode, I'll deliver your astrological weather report for the week ahead. Every Sunday, I help you prepare to navigate through life's ups and downs and provide you with practical insights for planning ahead and staying on top of your game. And don't forget to hit subscribe whenever listening to this podcast or just mark your calendars because every Wednesday I'll be back with a live in-depth reading with a listener. Maybe it'll be you. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get astrological. Welcome back to Ghost. This week, we're going to look at the astrology of April 2nd through the 8th of 2023. But I want to kind of draw your attention to a couple of things. The first of which is that on the day that Venus was conjunct to Uranus exactly, we saw news of a massive change in the power of U.S. currency on the global stage. That's not the only thing we have seen. It's like the least of what we have seen in the last week in terms of changes on the global stage, including mass protests in so many countries, the advancement of hate-based legislation here in the U.S., and social uprising in response to it. There's a lot going on, but I will do what I usually do on the podcast, uh, which is stay focused on the country in which I live, which is the United States. With all of the things that are happening domestically within the U.S., the really terrifying rise in white Christian nationalism and the violent homophobia, transphobia, racism, and xenophobia that it brings, it is important for those of us who fuck with astrology to remember that we knew this was coming, right? Like even if you don't pay attention to the news or history or if you don't live in the world, right? We we knew this was coming because the Pluto return of a nation, we are going through our first Pluto return here in the U.S., as I've said before several times, coincides with the fall of an empire. No small thing. And within that, there's so much that is at risk, but it's also fertile ground. When things are changing, when there is tumult, there is the potential for anything to emerge. I'm not the kind of person who's like, burn everything to the ground, because I know when anything gets burned to the ground, it's the most vulnerable amongst us who tend to get scorched, not the most powerful, right? And related to that, I am not suggesting that we you know, because we're astrologers or because we're jaded or because we're overwhelmed, because we're an empath and we're super sensitive, whatever the hell it is, that we accept inhumane or hate-based shifts in society or legislation. Not at all. But I want to say, because we saw this coming, we do not need to waste our energy thinking things can't get worse or thinking that there's nothing we can do because they can get worse and there are things we can do. If you're feeling really overwhelmed by the world, which I think a lot of us are, I want to kind of like ground you into a couple things. The first is history is a brilliant teacher. This is not the first time that there has been a a rise in fascistic power in once somewhat democratic environments like the U.S., right? Like it's not the first time it's happened. So we can look at world history to see how 
other societies have coped with and overthrown hateful and oppressive regimes, right? We don't have to invent, reinvent the wheel. We can learn from history. But, you know, I am not a political scientist. I'm not a historian. Obvi, right? I am an astrologer. I want to give you the perspective that I can give you, which is astrological. Things are happening fast. And also they've been happening slowly for a very long time to bring us to this point. So wherever you're at, you're just waking up and seeing things and you're shocked, or you have been seeing this coming and working towards change or trying to cope, wherever you're at, wherever you're at, I want to acknowledge we are in eclipses and eclipses happen in pairs, right? So the first eclipse happens on April 19th, 2023, this month, a couple weeks. And because of this, emotions are running high, but not just that. Also, developments that occur on or around an eclipse take about six months to show themselves, to fully play out, right? This means it is a fertile time for people coming together, for action, for transformation, whether that be revolution, reparation, or activation, right? There's a great deal of energy. And because the first eclipse is a solar eclipse, there is a great potential for things to begin, right? For the start of things. As I mentioned in last week's episode, on April 16th, I am teaching a class called The Moon and You. It is a class all about the moon in the birth chart because I am of the mind when it comes to meaningful lunar transits like full moons, new moons, eclipses. And spoiler alert, we have a full moon this week. I'm about to tell you about it. So many people feel like, oh, you have to do something on a new moon or a full moon. You have to like leverage it. It's this one time a month to be really spiritual. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the truth of the matter is eclipses happen, full moons happen, new moons happen. They're just a normal, natural part of our cycles as societies on the planet and as individuals, all of it, right? So if we can find ways of getting to know ourselves and accepting ourselves emotionally, then when these lunar events occur, they don't have to rock our world so dramatically because we're already acquainted with ourselves and we already have resources and tools that are kind of at the ready or at least within, you know, reach. And this is why I'm teaching this class on the moon. It's to hopefully empower you with a little more connection with the moon inside of you, the moon in your birth chart, so that you can cope with eclipses, difficult things in life, amazing things in life, and everything in between. I want to just acknowledge that. Now, in regards to big social change. We can leverage eclipses by planning or participating in actions, right? Or simply being like, okay, I haven't been participating in the world. I haven't been showing up as an ally or an accomplice in the ways I, I was doing before or I wish I was. I can set the intention to start, to really drum up my energies to begin to behave in those ways with the eclipse. Wonderful, powerful. But the truth of the matter is we don't want to get too intentional around an eclipse because eclipses are too wild. They have too much energy behind them and we cannot manipulate or control or contain eclipse energy. So again, it comes back to being in emotional alignment with what you are or are not doing and how you're holding it, right? So here's a little cheat sheet. It's like a little cheat sheet. And it's not a cheat. It's just a she. You get it. You got it. Okay. So here's what you do. And this is not just on the eclipse on the 19th. Like I said, we have a full moon this week. But when it comes to big emotions, when it comes to being overwhelmed by 
a world that seems to be careening off a cliff, what we want to do is first and foremost acknowledge that we're having our emotions. That might mean making space to feel what you're feeling, even if it's overwhelm or confusion or some emotions that are really hard to stay with. If you are somebody who has a hard time staying with your feelings, my recommendation, set a timer on the clock. I know you have one on your phone and set the intention. You're just going to sit with how you feel. This is not about meditation necessarily, right? This is about your emotions. So there may be thoughts associated with them, but to sit with how you feel for as long as you can. You may set 45 seconds. You may set three minutes. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're Olympian and you will set an hour. But to just sit with how you feel. And if you don't know how you feel and you don't know how to access how you feel, then this is even more important for you. And to just breathe into your body and notice where you have sensations in your body and then move towards instead of away from those sensations in efforts to, again, be present with how you feel because our emotions often get trapped in our meat suit or they show up in our meat suit in weird ways. Identify that you have emotions. Find a way to be present with your emotions. Once those two steps are done, when it comes to participation in a burning world, it is healthy and wise to find actions, both small and large actions, that you believe can make a difference. You can't find all the actions. You can't make all the difference, but you can find something that you can do. And that might mean using something like ResistBot. That might mean uh, hitting the streets. That might mean volunteering somewhere. That might mean watching your friend's kids so they can go do a damn thing, right? There's so many things we can do, again, small and large. But when we find actions that we can do to make the world better, it makes the world better, but it also makes it easier to sit with the uncertainty and the fear around what comes next in this world. You can apply this to your personal life. You know, there are things in your life that need action, some small, some large. And I would include within the concept of actions, sitting with your emotions, learning how to identify your feelings. Then I want to remind you to pace yourself. Burning yourself out is no good for any cause, for any act of development, or for you. So finding a way to participate in your life, to participate in the world, requires some measure of emotional intelligence so we can stay engaged without losing ourselves. And I know so many of you who listen to this podcast are empaths who struggle with being empathetic. And so many empaths dig our heads in the sand, right? We don't participate in the world because the world hurts and we get overwhelmed with that hurt. But that's not why you're an empath. If you feel the world's pain, it's a call to action. So I want to invite you to cultivate the emotional intelligence to know what's not yours and what is and to understand what's not yours. You are somehow sensitized to so that you can do something about it, not as a punishment, (laughs) but so you can do something about it. And in relationship to that, I want to remind you, it is so important to stay educated so that you know what's happening in the world, so that you can participate in your life in an informed way, and then return to the emotions. Do not confuse fear of the future or panic that you may be experiencing with your hands being tied. Being overwhelmed or stuck emotionally is an emotional condition. And sometimes we can feel bad and do good at the same time. 
And when we do that, sometimes we, we persist in feeling bad. And sometimes the doing good helps us to feel better. I know that what I've just shared is not for everybody. You know, not everybody is going to be safe enough to ground into their body with their emotions. That's not an approach that works for all humans on the planet, of course. And you may have conditions going on in your life where this is not a you know, call to action for you. This might not work for you. But if this resonates for you at all, if you got defensive about this at all, I hope you investigate it and you use what works, you reject what doesn't, and you move, keep on moving. You know what I mean? Okay. And now I will go straight into your horoscope. So April starts off intense. As I mentioned before, this is the horoscope for April 2nd through the 8th of 2023. On the 3rd of April, we have an exact square between Mercury and Pluto. They're happening at zero degrees of Taurus and Aquarius, respectively, right? So straight out the gate, we got our first transit to Pluto in Aquarius. It's valuable to, you know, notice how it feels because Pluto and Aquarius is hitting all of our charts in a different way. Now, in regards to Mercury square to Pluto, I'm definitely going to be paying close attention to AI and other ongoing conversations that we are having around technology. You know, the so-called TikTok ban is really not a ban on TikTok. I mean, it's not just about a ban on TikTok. It is about restricting our use and independence on the internet. I mean, there are so many terrifying things in that bill, but I digress. We may see some major developments, conversations, or actions around the internet and how we use it and who controls it. Okay, so we want to pay attention to what's happening in the world during the Mercury square to Pluto. Mercury is our attitudes, our beliefs. It's what we say. It's where we say it. It's how we say it. Uh, and it's what we read. It's what we take in. It's what we listen to. It's how we hear those things. And I use here in quotes, right? Because I'm talking about reading and all manner of other things. Pluto is intense and transformational and healing and destroying. It is really powerful. And so when Mercury forms a square to Pluto, we tend to have power struggles. What this means for our personal lives is that we will often find ourselves either obsessing on something that hurts and feels terrible, whether it's present or past or totally fictional and theoretical in the future, or we find ourselves immersed in some sort of actual power struggle in the here and now. And it's hard to know. Because when we're dealing with a Mercury square to Pluto, there will often be players, and you may be that player, who is caught up in some sort of paranoid, projection-riddled story, right? This can happen with Mercury square to Pluto because what this transit does is it triggers us. It triggers our deepest shit, our resentments, our insecurities, our trauma. When that happens, we tend to go for Pluto's specialty, all or nothing, solutions and attitudes and stories, right? This is bad and that is good. I am blameless and that person is evil. And so if you catch yourself in that kind of thinking, rein your shit in. Try to do a little more introspection because Mercury squared to Pluto can seriously drum up some drama. Now, here's what you can do right? The first thing is leverage the best parts of this transit, which are deep introspection and reflection and research. Do your best to be clean in your motivations with what you say, how you listen, 
and where you allow your thoughts to deeply linger. If you find yourself so obsessive or like you want to cyberstalk someone or, you know, whatever it is, any kind of obsessive thinking or behavior, I want to encourage you to like just insert a word or a song or something like that, you know, some sort of mantra where you just repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again as a way to distract you from the worst or most destructive uh, place that your mind is trying to go. If you find yourself caught up in really like self-critical, heavy thinking, then you know it's Mercury square to Pluto, you know? And it's certainly wise for you to check out where this is hitting your birth chart, where zero degrees of Taurus and zero degrees of Aquarius fall in your birth chart. And certainly if there are any planets that those, you know, placements are aspecting. You may need to stand up for yourself. You may need to fight for something or someone during a Mercury square to Pluto. The key is if you're going to fight, make sure you're fighting for something not just against something. And make sure you're fighting fair because how we engage with Pluto transits functions like a boomerang. It comes back at us one way or another. So it's really important to be mindful about your motivations and intentions. If you can maintain an open mind, if you can humbly and honestly investigate your own thoughts, your own participation, what's really happening in a situation. This can be an amazing transit, right? It doesn't have to be drama that hurts, but it requires a great deal of intention and will. And so, you know, a lot of us, when we get triggered, we go on autopilot. We let our flight or fight mechanisms, which by the way, Pluto governs, kick in. And for most of us, most of the time, our fight or flight mechanisms are not our wisest, most evolved mechanisms. They're the jurisdiction of the lizard brain. And that is, again, not our most nuanced and evolved part. So unless you are seriously in a position where your safety is being threatened, not I feel unsafe because some jamoke on the internet who has no power said something that I disagree with. Like if your safety is being threatened, okay, tap into that lizard brain, like get into your flight or fight. But otherwise know that this is a powerful time for exploring your triggers and learning more about yourself and your coping mechanisms in response to your triggers. Now, the final thing I'll say about this particular transit is be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And kindness doesn't mean be a pushover and don't have boundaries. It just means it is easy to assume the worst. It is easy to forget to include empathy in your evaluation and your analysis, but it isn't wise. True power, which Pluto's all about power, true power encompasses compassion and empathy and consideration and care for others. If power doesn't have those things, it's not power, it's dominance. And dominance And the pursuit of dominance is a very dangerous road to traverse, right? It's not especially happy or beloved one. So make sure that empathy and compassion is in your self-talk. It's in your analysis and it influences your approach, motivations, and conduct. The city of Atlanta has leased 381 acres of the Wielowney Forest on stolen Muskogee land to the Atlanta Police Foundation for a police military facility funded by corporations. 
The Atlanta Police Foundation is building a police militarization facility for police to train in urban warfare. The plans include military-grade training facilities, a mock city to practice urban warfare, explosive testing areas, dozens of shooting ranges, and a Black Hawk helicopter landing pad. Here are some ways for you to support the defense of the forests in Atlanta. Donate to the Atlanta Solidarity Fund at atlsolidarity.org to support legal costs for arrested protesters and ongoing legal action. Call on investors in the project to divest from Cop City and the builders of the project to drop their construction contracts. You can get information about all of this at defendtheatlantaforest.org and learn more about Cop City at stopcop.city. And that brings us, my friends, to the full moon in Libra happening on April the 5th at 9.34 p.m. Pacific time. So depending where you are in the world, it's going to be happening earlier or later, right? You're going to adjust it based on your time zone, which is very easy to do if you have the right tool, And as you know, I have a subscription-based pro tool for astrologers and astrology students called Astrology for Days. You can find it at astrologyfordays.com and set the time zone for the tool so that you know exactly what time all the transits are happening in your time zone. Okay, let's talk about this full moon. This is a full moon in Libra, which means the moon is in Libra and the sun is in Aries. Now, in this particular full moon, we have the sun sandwiched between Chiron and Jupiter in Aries, which means that the moon is not only opposite to the sun, but it is also opposite to Chiron and Jupiter. Because this full moon is exact uh, at 9.34 p.m. Pacific time, the sun and moon are exactly opposite each other, but the moon is not exactly opposite Chiron or Jupiter, nor is the sun exactly conjoined to those two planets, but we're going to feel it. I can assure you of that. Now, In general, the tension of a Libra new moon is the tension between our need for diplomacy and connection and intimacy and our need for independence and autonomy and moving things along, doing what I want to do kind of thing, right? And this is strengthened by Chiron, who brings with it so many wounds and triggers around embodiment, and Jupiter, who just loves to leap into things based on spontaneity and impulse. So all three of these planets in me-first-oriented Aries are really giving the moon a run for its money. If you have anything in a cardinal sign at around 16 degrees, pay close attention to this particular full moon because it's really going to hit you hard. And that doesn't mean it's bad or good. The trigger is going to be at its core emotional. It's about your emotional capacity, your emotional maturity, your emotional evolution, development, and life. It is really important that you keep in mind that that's what this is about. Because every time we have a lunar transit, we have the opportunity to grow emotionally, become more mature, more evolved not just get overwhelmed by emotions. When you're overwhelmed by emotions, it's an opportunity to figure out how to cope, right? What's really going on underneath. This full moon is likely to trigger our feelings about how we are embodied or not with our will and whether or not that sits well emotionally. We all have ways that we struggle with being embodied, We all have ways that we struggle with, you know, whether it's being in our meat suit, which is, by the way, in my view, totally indecent, or remaining embodied 
around our will, our strong emotions, our needs or drives for independence. Not being embodied doesn't mean you're a wallflower and you're passive. It is very possible and often likely that people who are very aggressive and very assertive are not doing it from a place of embodiment. And Chiron's placement in this full moon chart is absolutely going to trigger that issue within us. So again, it's going to trigger that issue within you, but also all the people you're dealing with. And that can mean that things get weird and clunky and that it would be easier to focus on all this Aries energy, right? Like what's happening? How do I defend myself? What should I do? I've got to do it quickly. When what the moon wants from us is to seek some balance. And what does balance require? Balance requires subtle, consistent movements. Like think about surfing or being on a skateboard or some other thing that I've never done and have no intention of doing. It requires, sorry, I'm not, I'm not a sporty space. Um, it requires not that we plant our feet and never move. It's that we keep our balance within so that we can maintain our balance in the body even as our foundations are shifting or moving unpredictably, right? That's what that Libra moon wants from us. Now, this is going to be made more complicated because Pluto is forming a square to Mercury. We are still very much feeling it. Mercury's at almost four degrees of Taurus, and Pluto's still, of course, at that zero degrees of Aquarius. And so our thoughts are going to be going in deep places, potentially uh, defensive or paranoid places, right? If you find yourself spoiling for a fight, do what you've got to do to seek balance within before you act out and start shit that you don't want to finish. If somebody else throws shit at you and you're like, I know, I know this astrology. I do not want to engage. I do want to engage, but I know better than to engage. You can say to a person, I really want to talk to you about this, but I'm not in the right state to talk to you about it. Uh, we have to come back to this. The key, if you're going to do something like that, is to not just leave them hanging. You have to make a date. You have to make a promise and you have to follow through. But it's OK to have boundaries. Now, the other thing I want to point out about this chart is that Mercury is conjoined to the North Node. They're like three minutes apart, right? They're very, very, very close. What that should bring our attention to is making sure that our thoughts, our relationships, our attitudes, what we say, how we say it, how we listen should reflect our values. It brings us back to the theme of embodiment. The North Node Mercury conjunction is a transit that is best leveraged from within the meat suit, from a grounded place. If we can make sure that our Mercury, that our thoughts and attitudes reflect our values, then Pluto is less of a risk and more of an ally, helping us to get deep, helping us to move past and through compulsions and triggers and achieve healing. And that's what it's all about, is it not, my friends? It is all about healing. And this is where I want to take a moment to acknowledge Jupiter. You know I'm not the astrologer that's going to say, Jupiter means luck. Jupiter means love. Everything's easy with Jupiter. I am not the one. But Jupiter absolutely brings about resiliency. And if we can manage our impulses under this full moon, then Jupiter is here as an assistant, right? It's just we have to be really intentional about what we're asking Jupiter to assist us with because Jupiter can assist us to going in the wrong direction quickly and dramatically, or it can help us to heal, to get present, to stay present when things are challenging or intimidating. 
Now, in regard to your relationships, it is important that I acknowledge that this full moon may bring up a lot of intense feelings about your relationships. That doesn't mean bad feelings, right? But it it's a lot of intense feelings. And it would be tempting to focus on then the other person, but it would be a misuse of this energy. All you can do is show up, maybe ask the right questions and listen to the answers that people give you, whether you like them or not. All you can do is, is your part. You cannot be both people in a relationship. You cannot be all things to a relationship. You can only do your part. And how you engage and what you bring to the table, how you receive what's being on offer, all that stuff's on you. What's not on you is how other people feel, what other people do, what other people think. And so a full moon in Libra is an opportunity to recalibrate around your relationships and make sure that you're owning your part, the good, the bad, the ugly, the embarrassing, all of it, all of it, all of it, own all of it. And that is a way to maintain balance. Don't give away your power and don't assume dominance. Find a balance. That brings us to the seventh. And on the seventh, there are three things that I would like to report to you. The first thing is that the Mercury retro shade begins on April 7th. So Mercury doesn't go retrograde until April 21st of 2023. But the retro shade starts here, here and now on the 7th. And when we have a retro shade, what you can know is that it's not a retrograde. You know what I mean? Like sign your contracts, make your plans. You're fine. But you start to feel things wonkify, right? You start to get a sense in the retro shade of what we're going to experience in the retrograde. Now, this particular retrograde, it's not too long. It's April 21st through May 14th. I will talk about it closer to the date. If there are, you know, big purchases you're trying to make or important plans or contracts that you know you have to tend to, I wouldn't wait until the 21st. I would get your shit in order now. What I like to do in a retro shade period or right before the retro shade period is let people I'm working with know if it's relevant. Uh, retrograde's coming. I don't make major decisions during retrograde, but we can revisit these ideas in these three weeks that are forthcoming. If you can kind of get ahead of it, that is great. And if you can't, you know, you work with what you got. You work with what you got. But put it in your calendar. The retro shade begins. Okay. That's on the 7th. Now, there's two more transits happening on the 7th, and luckily, they are both lovely. The first is a Venus sextile to Neptune. This transit is happening with Venus at 26 degrees of Taurus and Neptune at 26 degrees of Pisces. This is a lovely transit. It is a gift transit on the heels of that full moon. And that's because it is romantic. It is empathetic. It is creative. This transit empowers us to be easier on ourselves, to show grace to others. This is an excellent transit for spiritual work that requires letting go of control and for romance and love and intimacy. And yes, absolutely for romantic intimacy, but not exclusively for romantic intimacy. If you need to tell someone you love them, this is not a bad time. Or if you just need to remind someone that you love them. This transit makes it easier to get out of our defenses and to show up. 
Venus and Neptune are the two romantics of the zodiac. So, you know, if you have a tendency to be overly idealistic, you may want to rein yourself in a little bit. But if you're somebody who has a hard time showing love, or if you've just, for whatever reason, not been letting people that you care about know how much you care, this is a brilliant moment to do exactly that. Because Venus is associated with our values and Neptune is associated with our ideals, this is a good time to try to get those things closer in alignment with each other. To acknowledge the difference between what your ideals and your values are can be really helpful. But also, this transit can empower us to kind of imagine bridges between our ideals and values in ways that empowers us to be in greater alignment with what is actually important for us. On a much more superficial level, this is a great time for uh, fucking with makeup and clothes and the way you look in general, right? It's just it's just like a fun, great time for playing with illusion and beauty. To that end, it is also, as I mentioned just before, excellent for uh, all artistic and creative endeavors, as well as spiritual endeavors. This transit can even coincide with having an easier and more graceful time navigating your intuition. So there's so many beautiful things about this transit for you to tap into and enjoy. The third and final thing I'm going to tell you that is happening on this date is a Mercury sextile to Mars, another lovely, lovely transit. This bad boy is happening on the 7th at 11.29 p.m. And Mercury is at seven degrees of Taurus and Mars is at seven degrees of Cancer. So again, we have these two planets, Venus and Mercury in Taurus, forming these sextiles to these beautiful water placements. Now we're talking about Mars in Cancer. Mercury sextile to Mars is a lovely transit. It can make you feel more bold, a little more courageous in how you engage with others. And because of that, it's a great time for flirting, making friends, uh, chatting with people. And that might mean socially. And if you're socializing in person, I'm for sure going to hope that you're wearing your mask because we are living through a continued global pandemic and making sure that your actions reflect community care as well as self-care is real damn important. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. So this is a great time for flirting, for socializing, for connecting with others and having it be like fun and dynamic and for things to have a nice pace to it. Mercury and Mars, uh, they both like to like, you know, play. So that's really lovely. This transit is also really good if you need to like talk to somebody who has power over you, you know, some like landlord, a boss, whatever, because again, things tend to go well. Like it, the, the conversation tends to have a good pace. Things that need to be said get said, bada bing, bada boom, we move on, right? If there's some sort of labor or some sort of work that you need to do, like physically moving things with your body, so that could be artwork, that can be sex, that can be uh, your job, like a bazillion things in between, right? Anything Marsy, Mercury sextile to Mars will support it. So if you're like been waiting to start, I don't know, gardening or moving shit around your apartment, this is a great time for doing it. Okay, it's a great time. So tap in. The, the real like best part of this transit from my perspective is how it empowers us to be more forthright. And when you think about this in concert with the Venus sextile to Neptune, that empowers us to be more gracious, empathetic, and kind. I mean, this is lovely. This is really, really lovely. So this is not a time for you to, you know, hide out. 
I mean, unless unless your heart tells you to, right? Because we're going to keep on coming back to the moon. Unless your heart tells you to, sure, okay. But I want to encourage you to challenge yourself to put yourself out there, to be a little brave, okay? And luckily, these two transits are exact on the 7th, which is a Friday. So this is a, a weekend situation, which is, you know, pretty good news for a lot of people who work during the week and have the weekends off to play. This transit, like most sextiles, is not going to like knock you over the head. Unfortunately, challenging things tend to knock us over the head and easy supportive things we can ignore more easily. So it's really important to tap into this energy. Look for evidence of this energy in yourself, in your circumstances, in your interactions with others, because that's how you can make the most of it. That is, you know, it's just what I would characterize as a real good use of astrology. Now, I'm going to run through these transits one more time. We have on the third, an exact Mercury square to Pluto. On the fifth, a full moon in Libra at 934 p.m. Pacific time. On the seventh, the Mercury retroshade begins. And we have a Venus sextile to Neptune as well as a Mercury sextile to Mars. And that, my friends, is the astrology for this week. If you would like to know more about the astrology of April, please do join me over on Patreon at the Kittens level, where I drop a bonus episode of Ghost of a Podcast on the first of every month, and I delineate all of the transits of the month ahead so you can giddy up and get on it in advance. And this is my reminder that if you get value from Ghost of a Podcast, Make sure that you've hit the subscribe button or the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you tune back in on Wednesday when I drop a reading for you. I'll talk to you in a couple days. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still-